Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r malicious compliance video. If you love hearing stories of malicious compliance, make sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by LC Pony Merch. Sure, I'll give you deli meats with sanitizer. To explain the title, this is in the deli involving a meat slicer and having cleaned it. Quick backstory, yesterday and today, my store closed early due to inclement slash dangerous weather, aka snow and ice. Store closes at 6 p.m., deli at 4 p.m., as in done cleaning and shut down and gone by 4 p.m. Normally it's closed by 8, done cleaning by 9 p.m. I had just cleaned and wiped down the meat slicer with food safe sanitizer. The blade cover and grated slash spiked weight to hold down the meat were gone. It's 3.30 p.m. and a customer comes up asking for London broil roast beef. I apologize and say our slices are shut down. The customer says okay. They leave and I continue wiping down the counter and finish the slicer area. Just about to put the slicer cover over said slicer. Basically wipe down with soap and water, wipe off, clean with sanitizer, wipe off, cover. Customer returns with a witchy attitude and says, I don't understand. It's 3.30, why can't I get meat? I reply because the store's closing early at 6pm and the deli's closing down at 4pm. The customer huffs and I can already see her winding up to argue. My coworker, who's helping me clean says, just get it for her. With the expression of pleasing cause we're gonna get yelled at, I turn to customer and smile knowingly, sure, one sanitized meat coming up. Because the weight part that holds the meat down against the blade's gone, I had to hold it down. So the customer ends up getting thin slices. I did put my weight into it, but this was the best I could get, and wrapped it up. Again, food safe sanitizer, so it's not going to harm the customer, but it makes things taste bland. I weigh out the slices and print the price, here you go, waited for them to get out of earshot. So sorry we dared to want to keep our employees safe and get home before dark. Before you go for me, please understand the slicer was already wiped off and dry. No water or chemicals. At worst, they'd have thin, bland roast beef. So in your guys' opinions, considering everything was already wiped down, and OP knew that it would mess with the taste of the meat, with the customers standing there being witchy, complaining, whining, do you think that OP should have still tried to explain that they had been wiped down with sanitizer and it would affect the taste of the meat? Or do you think OP's totally fine having gone and sliced it up and delivered it? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is by Liv Hanna. You want me to work for free? I will, but only in accordance with the law. Okay, at first it may seem like a very complicated story, and it probably is a bit, but I'll try to explain it as simply as possible. In the institution where I worked, there were four levels of bosses, and let's call them this. Boss number one was my direct boss. The man who hired me because he knew he needed someone exactly like me. He was in control of his department and his immediate superior didn't have the authority to give him any instructions. And while he might require certain things from him, he could not make changes to his department without boss number one approval. Boss number two controlled several units such as the one I worked in. He could give orders from above but he could not interfere with the work of individual teams. Boss number three controlled a large number of bosses. 
So without his and boss number two's approval, nothing could have happened. Still, he could not directly interfere with the work of individual teams like those in control of boss number one. Boss number four ruled everyone, could omit all others in their decisions, but after making decisions, boss number three did them in the way he wanted. As long as he kept the goal and the effect of boss number four's decision, it was okay. So here I am. Boss number one, with whom I worked within another field, asked me to work for him in this idiotic institution. Okay. I agreed because I respected and admired him a lot. Besides, I wanted to help. It quickly turned out that with my involvement, I jumped directly into a black hole of bureaucracy and mutual personal arrangements, full of mobbing, humiliation, ridicule of people, things I have never met before. In addition, I quickly understood that Boss 2 and Boss 3 were having an affair, and whatever I did, it was immediately distorted, twisted, and the opinion about me went to Boss number 3 in the worst possible form. It got to the point where I cried for hours hiding in the toilets, and I had panic attacks when the phone rang or I got an email. I felt so threatened that I didn't sleep or eat. I had become a wreckage of a woman. Boss number 1 got angry and went straight to Boss number 4. He said I had competencies and skills well beyond my job, that this is some kind of mockery and a joke, that I perform idiotic tasks for boss number two for a minimum wage, and I still don't get any of the recognition I should get, and he demanded a promotion for me so that I would not be dependent on this stupid woman and her boss lover anymore. Such words were not spoken, of course. It was a way more cultured conversation. Boss number four agreed. Well, but how could I be promoted? Boss two and three couldn't take it. So instead of promoting me, they terminated my employment contract and organized a new competition for my new position, which I was forced to enter. The whole procedure was humiliating for me and other recruitment participants, and it lasted three months, during which I had no job, so no fee at all. But I was the only one who could deal with some particular tasks. So if I was to quit my job, my job for free, I would have to destroy the work of a huge number of other people who are dependent on me. So I kept working, no money, no position, with the hope that maybe I'll win the competition. And here I come to the point. What was my way of malicious compliance, you may ask? I based it on the Personal Data Protection Act. Since Boss 2 and 3 put me in such a situation, I decided that I would do everything to prevent the people below me from getting hurt, that I'd allow everyone else to do their work. But for three months, I didn't accept any bill, no contract, and I didn't reply to any email with personal data that I received from bosses two and three. If I'm not an employee, I must not do such a thing. I did everything for boss number one and gave him all the documents to sign. He could approve anything that concerned us in our work, but nothing else. Bosses two and three would come to me and shout, threaten me, get angry, and I was smiling, waving my hands and saying, after all, according to the law, I'm not allowed to do this. I will of course do this if you send me an official instruction in writing that I must carry it out, or if you sign an employment contract with me. I made it as difficult as I literally could, and after three months, I was accepted into a new position anyway, and I freed myself from them. I have a lot of respect for OP because sticking around for three months when they are not paying you, that is a lot. Kudos to them for sticking up in that situation for the people that are literally dependent on them. I'm sorry, but if it was me and I was left without a job, 
I wouldn't keep going for three months even if the other people suffered. Maybe if the other people suffered, they'd realize they made a huge mess up. This next story is by P0D0, Always Follow Rules of Engagement. About 15 years ago, I was an Army ROTC cadet heading through the basic officer's leadership course. It was three weeks of extended testing on the skills we were supposed to have learned over the last three years. Mostly about receiving, interpreting, and implementing orders. The largest part of the course was STX, Situational Training Exercises. These were small missions with blanks or paintball guns. Only the cadets in leadership positions were evaluated during exercises, and we were given strict and repeated instructions to follow our orders as briefed. If you improvised and completed a mission by going against orders, the leader being evaluated would receive poor marks. This led to some hilariously bad decisions that no one contradicted. The worst being when we were ordered to wear glowing chem lights on our uniforms during a night mission to help us stay together. I'm sure even without any military training, most readers can guess how a shootout goes at night when one side has bright glowing targets attached to their chests. The instructors took a lot of efforts to make us think and observe. It wasn't just force on force, we were also taught to deal with civilian checkpoints, work through interpreters, handle embedded media, and a lot of other complex scenarios. Many of our opposing forces were special forces guys taking an opportunity to instruct, and possibly torment, new officer candidates, and make things as close to real life as possible. After two weeks of these constant drills, we finally reached our final graduation mission, the Dawn Raid. We would be trucked to a starting location, night march about an hour to get in position, then have a pitched battle in the mock town. There were multiple extra safety briefings because the raid was to start with an explosive breach on the largest building. As we were loading up, we got two final and very important pieces of information. First, this was our graduation mission and there was a very high probability that there would be VIPs coming to observe. They'd all been instructed not to interfere or intrude, but we should be on the lookout anyway. Second, this was a free fire mission. The town was considered free of civilians and every military age male is to be considered hostile. After three weeks of bad food, poor sleep, and constant pressure, we were all due for a dose of catharsis. This was our final mission, and we'd been just told the gloves were off, and we had strict instructions to follow all orders, especially rules of engagement, to the letter. As my squad got into position for the opening assault, there was a ripple of silent hand signals going up and down the line. Target sighted, hold fire. The morning was just starting to lighten, and I could just make out a human silhouette about 50 feet away, leaning up against a dark but definitely civilian model truck. There were 15 of us lined up and primed for violence, when on the far side of the town, we heard the sharp crack of a door being explosively removed from its frame. This was followed immediately by an impressive stream of expletives from our target as 15 paintball guns opened fire from painfully close range. I can't say just how much pain my squad unleashed in those few seconds, but I put out a full hopper of about 100 rounds. The rest of the mission was mostly by the book rushing to good defensive positions and clearing buildings room to room. At the end of the base commander, a full colonel came out of his truck, sadly pain-free, to congratulate us with cigars and some words of wisdom. After a short congratulatory speech, 
he turned to address a young lieutenant that had come out of the woods covered head to toe in yellow paint and with large bruises on his neck and face and berated him up and down for not wearing protective equipment. The next day, as we were in the barracks cleaning our field gear for turn-in, the same lieutenant drove up in a truck that had once been a dark green but was now painted yellow on one side. We had shot it up enough that the original paint had been stripped off in places. He had cleaned up, but it would take weeks for the black eye and other bruises to fade. He stepped out, looked at us with clearly faked confidence, and ordered us to wash his truck. I mean, I understand why they would say, you have to follow the rules, these are the rules, do not break from them or you're going to get punished. But like OP described here, in colorful yellow detail, Sometimes it gets a little wonky, and our final story of the day is by Mild or Wild 65. It's still a rural area. I was reminded of this by the account of the one pig farm in Slovenia. Early 2000s, my wife and I had a nice home built in a new development that used to be a strip of farmland. The loss of farmland to housing is never a good thing, but it's common in the US. In Pennsylvania, farmers will often sell a portion of their land because costs are driving them out of business. Anyway, enough economics lesson, we're in the countryside, the development is located along a small back road. There's scattered houses elsewhere, but the entire township is still mostly farms. Somehow, a proto-Karen raised a successful challenge to a nearby farmer's cattle operations. He lost, if I recall correctly, because his facilities for manure management were old, out of compliance, etc. Now, her chief complaint was the odor. I'm here to tell you that the nasty smells were non-existent. Yes, it smelled like a farm sometimes, but that's a natural earthy smell. You know what isn't a natural earthy smell? Treated sewage sludge. No longer able to use cow manure from his herd to fertilize his fields, the farmer began spreading treated sewage sludge on his land. Now, the use of the sludge is controversial, but what is completely uncontestable is that it stinks to high heaven. It's bad. Very bad. Once it dries, it's not noticeable, but for a day or three? Hoo-wee! Proto-Karen, naturally, went to the authorities and tried everything to get him to stop. His only response, by all accounts, was that he wouldn't have to use the sludge if he still had his cattle operation. Check and mate. Man, I sure hope that when the Karen went to report them and say, Oh, it's so stinky! that they weren't able to get some kind of additional challenge going against this guy. I don't think there's ever been a situation where life runs a certain way in a certain spot and some Karen comes and moves in and says, oh, this is awful. You need to do this and that and I'm going to complain till I get my way. Those are the kind of people you want to strap to a rocket and fire them into the sun. The kind of people who move literally into farmland and somehow expect city life. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.